0: Let's go!
1: Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast and today we are super honored to have on Luke Karate, the USHL Director of Player Personnel. I am your co-host Danny Heath of Project Hockey and with me as usual
2: is Pete Cameron, Elevated Hockey. Yeah, I was excited to get uh, Luke on here. He and I have been working together in USHL Central Scouting for the last couple of seasons. He's a good guy. I've gotten to know him a little bit. Uh so it's good to really dive in with them. You know, actually a couple of weeks ago I spent a lot of time with Luke in the, the press box of the uh one of the tournaments down in Dallas. So it's good to, to follow up on a lot of those conversations and stuff. But uh Danny, what did you think of this episode? What, what what are you excited to share out there? I loved it.
1: I love when we get people on that seem like guys and or girls that are just so genuine and like you could tell like he wants what's best for hockey players and goalies, right? Um are hockey are goalies considered hockey players? Do you separate them? That's
2: that's what the goalies tell us. They tell us they are. <laughs> that they are hockey players. They're hockey players. They're players too, Danny. Come on now. Okay. They're, they're, people
1: too. Too. <laughs> they're people too. They're people too. They're willing to take 100 mile an hour slap shots at them. So that's they're more they're they're more of men and women than I am. I'll give them that. So yeah,
2: braver than me. Uh,
1: but Luke, um, it just he seems like such a genuine guy where he, he truly just wants best for all hockey players. Um, super excited to have him on. Make sure you listen to his advice for coaches. Um, he kind of dives in there and goes really deep. And yeah, that was a phenomenal part. What uh, what are you excited about, Coach?
2: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Luke's a good. He's a good dude. He's uh, he's he's doing. A, I think he's got a bright future in hockey. But you know, not only did he play D1 hockey and pro hockey and is now working in the USHL, but I think uh, you know he's it's pretty obvious work when I go to these events with him that he's, he's pretty well respected and he knows what he's doing really well. So, um, you know, for the, for the episode, I'm really excited for him to really tap into and explain kind of like, what the road to the USHL is and how does that work and what are the combines like and how do you get into those combines? How do you get scenes? Cause that's, that's one of the questions I get asked all the time is, is, you know, how do I get on these teams radars or how do I get to this league if that's where people are aspiring to? So he kind of breaks it down and, and gives uh, some insight from front office. of you want to play in this league, this is what it's all about. And this is how you do it. So I think that's a, that's a good little insight into uh, into the USHL uh before we start the episode though Danny what's uh what's what's happening in the world of project hockey I, I feel like it's blowing up and I feel like you're helping a ton of kids out what's the what's the lowdown
1: yeah we're just um and I'll say it till till I'm till I'm leaving this earth but we are just trying to leave this game better than than we found it you know just like uh just like our podcast here and so the the whole idea you know we're we're helping out a ton of kids but more importantly like we're connecting with a lot of Youth hockey and high school hockey programs and youth hockey associations, and really just giving our program away for free. And so um, we're again, we're we know that the off season's coming up, so we're just kickstarting a lot of off season development for these these youth hockey associations. And like I said, giving it to them for free, so their guys and girls can can enjoy the platform. They can go through our our hockey IQ. They can go through our mental uh, mental toughness stuff or our mindset training. Um, they can go through the skill set sessions. They can go through the daily challenges, all from the comfort of their own home. Um, we've been around for three years now in, in the virtual hockey world, and we know we know what works and we know what doesn't. And we we know what we're doing is working because it's making a ton of kids better. It's making a lot of kids happier. It's giving a lot of hockey players more confidence, and it's not breaking the bank for mom and dad or whoever their guardian is. And so, super excited what we're doing. Like I said, if you are an association team youth team, high school team for listening to this, just shoot me an email, danny at projecthockey.com, uh, and we'll work with you. So shoot me an email, danny at projecthockey.com and yeah, super excited to continue to help out our, our current members and many more.
2: That's awesome. I love it. When does your, uh, your specific development program for out of shape beer league guys come out? <laughs> that's what I need uh
1: yeah i know what you do actually you know what you need to talk to Lindsay fry she has uh so this will plug for her i guess but she has like an adult uh zoom class that she runs once a week it's actually pretty cool so nice. if, you, if you are listening to this you're like yeah i could definitely do some adult skill work check out lindsey fry lindsey fry hockey she's i mean she's one of the best she's one of our project hockey coaches uh and she does that adult stuff um through her platform as well so there you go there's your answer got an answer to everything
2: and above everything, not only is she an Olympian and a D1 player and a, works for the Arizona Coyotes, but on top of all that, she's a two-time guest on the Let's Go Hockey podcast. So I think that's pretty, that's pretty special. Yeah,
1: that's <laughs> her biggest accomplishment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we jump into the uh, interview with Luke, uh, jump into the, the, the nuts and bolts of the, his career and USHL and all that good advice that he uh, he laid out there. What do you say? Absolutely. Let's go. Let's go.
0: This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's dot com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. Originally hailing from Meriden, Connecticut,
2: he played his junior hockey in the Atlantic Junior Hockey League for the Hartford Junior Wolf Pack, followed by a season in the BCHL for the Penticton V's, and spent the 2010-2011 season in the USHL as assistant captain for the Dubuque Fighting Saints, where they won the Clark Cup Championship. He then went on to a successful career at the NCAA D1 level as a defenseman for RPI, where he served as the assistant captain his senior year and was a three-time ECAC All-Academic Team member. After one season of pro hockey in the East Coast Hockey League with the Adirondack Thunder, he jumped into the coaching ranks, coaching AAA hockey and scouting for ISS, looking at teams in the USHL, North American Hockey League, and AHL levels. He's currently the USHL Director of Player Personnel And we're excited to have him join us today. Luke Karate, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How's it going today?
3: Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Pumped to be on here. Absolutely.
1: Uh, What an intro. I've got a billion questions, um, but we usually, we like to kind of start things off. Just like, what got you, like, what's your story? Like, what got you hooked on hockey and what helped you, what helped you kind of stay and and drove your passion a little
3: bit? Yeah. Um, pretty much like many people um you know my dad played a little bit growing up and obviously uh you know into his adult years um so he, naturally i i was on skates at a fairly early age but i was playing all different sports um growing up uh played football baseball lacrosse uh but you know I, and i played even probably higher levels in those sports in the early years than i did in hockey but hockey was always you know, much, much as you guys can attest to hockey was always number one for me. Um, So yeah, that's, that was kind of what, what started it all.
2: That's awesome. Well, I, uh, so Luke, you and I, you and I have been kind of working together the last couple of years here with the USHL scouting and kind of, we just spent a little time together down in Dallas, but you know, I'm, I'm actually excited to talk, you know, I've never really talked about kind of your path in hockey and, you know, after youth, youth hockey, you jumped into the junior ranks and, uh, and, and had some success, you know, in your final, you played in the BCHL in your final year as assistant captain and, you know, won the, won the league championships. So let's talk about that a little bit. Like, how did you jump, you know, talk about that, that decision to jump into junior hockey and what that was like for you. And then how you, you had experienced the three different leagues. Can we talk about kind of that path for you?
3: Yeah. I, you know, in Connecticut, especially 12, 13, 14 years ago, um you know when I was still kind of at that at that high school age there wasn't there wasn't really any triple a options um you know most of the better most of the better players would go to prep school or move away to go play triple a um but I just stuck around in 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 high school and played Connecticut high school hockey for a couple years then right about um once I got to about the tail end of high school my senior year uh, I wanted to take a step up and against some older kids cuz you know hockey was the sport that I wanted to to see see it through and see where I could take it so I ended up playing for the junior wolf pack against you know I was one of the younger kids in the team and one of the younger kids in the league and playing against older competition really really helped me I mean it wasn't just the you know the, the physicality part but it was you know playing against kids that were older and smarter than you as well too so that definitely helped out and then from there um you know, latched on in the BCHL, which is a great step for me. Definitely is a tremendous, you know, preparation league for, for the higher levels. Um, during that time, I was, you know, I was uh, talking to RPI and uh, was with Seth Appert, uh, Jim Montgomery, and who was the assistant coach at the time, who's since moved on to now the National Hockey League. Uh, and coach Brian Bynes. After the year, uh, Monty ended up going to Dubuque. Um, in the, uh, the I guess the new upstart version of the USHL Dubuque Fighting Saints, um, ended up we ended up having a heck of a year there. Um, they had a couple good players. I don't know if you've ever looked through the elite prospects of, the, of that group, but uh, there's several NHLers on that team: Johnny Gaudreau, uh Joachim Ryan, uh, Riley Barber, who played some, some who's played some time in the NHL. Uh, Will Butcher played a couple games with us. Yeah, we've uh, just a, a really good group of, uh, cast of characters that are um, really good at hockey. We got along uh, at the rink, away from the rink. We spent all of our time together and um, obviously the leadership as well with the coaching staff that we had with Monty, uh, Bobby Kinsella, Joe Coombs. Bobby works for the Montreal Canadiens now. Joe Coombs is the head coach and general manager with uh, the Jamestown Rebels in the North American Hockey League. So. Um, just the whole organization was filled with good people that were, you know, good, good at being coaches, good at being players. And, um, we had, like I said, we had a, we had a good year and ended up, uh, uh, winning the Clark cup at the end of it. Yeah. It's not a,
1: not a bad way, uh, to start the program, especially with that leadership. I kind of want to, I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, like having Montgomery there as a coach and then ultimately Seth Appert who, I mean, I, I've known him since I was probably 14 years old through the recruiting process. And like, he's always the type of guy that I would have loved to play for. And I wish I would have got the chance. Um, but we, do you, you kind of want to talk about that a little bit? Like how, how big of an impact did like the coaches have on you? Uh, not just in your USHL career, but, but even in college. And maybe, maybe just pick one and talk about what Mo- Montgomery did that was
3: phenomenal. And then and we can talk about Aperture as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, just start, starting right away, uh, put the the tremendous hockey knowledge that they have, uh, the tremendous ability to to lead a team from the bench. They're just phenomenal people. Um, you know, both of my parents, after meeting them, you know, individually, obviously, they were both comfortable with, with, with them kind of guiding me in, you know, in hockey. Monty was is one of the he's one of the most down to earth type of guys you can ever meet. It's very easy to get along with, um, and you know, having played the game at a very high level, he just knows so much. But he's also, you know, someone that you know you watch and you could see that he's that he's trying that he was trying to learn every single day because um, it was really the first time that he had a head you know a head coaching position uh, at the time um and then with with apps i mean like you said you know apps a little bit too um he he, many people regard him as one of the best people that they know in hockey and i and i can attest to that um you know their their coaching styles was definitely really really good with with developing players um that was obviously their uh their focus monty was was really really good also at keeping calm uh, and understanding when to kind of lay the hammer down, which he didn't have to do too much. Um, but he just he knew he, both guys know uh, the feel of the room very very well, and that's that's obviously helps them in addition to what they know with the X's and O's in, in their careers. It's coach, this uh, Coach Appert still got that slick back hair best hair in hockey
1: absolutely yeah. <laughs> he's kind of got that um well, the coach
3: of the iceman team in d2 right yeah. wolf stanson oh, yeah, yeah there you yeah. go <laughs> he, he, he went through a little bit of like a faux hawk phase early on in college and then he kind of you know he went back to what was working for him which is just like the the blowtorched back type of <laughs> the, the blowtorch yeah. slip slick back he's <laughs> the man I love
2: it. He's not messing around. Well, let's jump into that then. So after your time in, in juniors, you, you, had, you had success there and then transitioned into your time in RPI and Seth Appert was your your head coach. And for, you know, for the people listening there here now, um, you know, Seth now is a, a head coach in the AHL. Uh, he, before that, was kind of the head of the ship for the, uh, the NTDP, the U.S. National Training Development Program, for a couple of years. Um, but before that, he was a head coach at RPI Division One hockey, and that's where you you skated for him. So let's touch on that about your 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 experience at RPI, what the culture in the locker room was, what what kind of environment that was, and, and then we can maybe touch on some takeaways
3: of what kind of a coach Seth was and what you took took from that. Yeah, I mean to start, RPI has a great tradition of of of, of history for their for their men's college hockey program, uh, two time national champions. Uh, numerous any players most notably guys like like Adam Oates uh, have come through the program Graham Townsend um and so there's the there's the hockey part of it that you know that has a tradition and then when you're at the school too you're the it's the only division one team on campus um so the players are are treated are treated very well um in terms of you know it's in Troy New York so there's there's not much to do if you're a hockey player other than go to class, play hockey, and and hang out with the guys. I mean, even further than that, while I was while I was in at RPI, the ECAC was an absolute wagon of a league. I mean, the four years that I was there, two teams from our league came, uh, won the national championship. Uh, Yale beat Quinnipiac in the finals in 2013. Uh, Union beat Minnesota in 2014 um so just the the quality of the competition in the league was was super super high end as it is still um and playing at rpi we were a blue blue collar type of team um you know you, you play to your strengths we had guys that were predominantly older players that had good high, really good hockey sense and a really high compete level and that's that's how we approached uh approached winning games we were going to we were going to make sure that we were going to win every every puck battle. We were going to make sure that we were going to be really responsible in our D zone, which led to um, the attack in the other direction. Um, but playing at RPI, I mean, we had everything that we needed there. Uh, it's a very small school, obviously. We got a beautiful rink on campus, the Houston Field House, and everything was pretty much right there. And you were treated, you know, you were treated like a pro during your time. Yeah, I, I, I would attest to that. You guys were a nightmare to play against. Um, I actually played my
1: last game against you guys, uh, which is a, a sore subject. So we won't dive too deep into that. Um, but basically, I was too strong and too skilled for that team, and they just couldn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, like the the whole culture there, like coming into it, like it it seriously was like um, it wasn't because so, like a lot of times the league that you play in isn't always known as like the the toughest league and. In college hockey, right? But for some reason, that stretch, like you guys, like you said, had wagons, and it was—I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of it was because of your coach, um but also what? What was like the day-to-day stuff? Like you said, go to school, play hockey. But like, what did what did training look like for you guys? What was like? um Did you have any type of nutrition help? What like? What was the day in the life of a, a college hockey player at RPI?
3: Yeah, that was the one thing too that um, you know we took the off ice. Uh, training part of it very seriously and apps made sure of that as well too i mean we were on campus if you know freshman year you get to campus probably three or four weeks before school starts and you're doing kind of initial testing with some of the older guys that have been around for a couple of years um the whole month of september is just is, is preparation for the season obviously you do a lot of work in the summer to build your body up um but the summer was, or the the month of September leading into October was a, uh, you know, it's it's time to buckle up and and, and get ready. I mean, even during the year, um, you know, you're working out twice a week. They, you know, as you can attest, the life of a Division one Division one athlete, a Division one college hockey player. I mean, it's it's pretty cool to to be known as one. But um, you know, the work that goes into it is is fairly extensive. You're working out. You might have an early workout on Monday morning, then have to get to class, and then practice in the afternoon. Same thing on Tuesday, Wednesday. As you get closer to, uh, you know, to 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 the games on the weekend, um, things start to taper off. But um, the one thing I'll say was, you know, the practices were almost, or the games were almost easier than the practices. Um, you know, we were we were competing nonstop uh, because ultimately, that's that's how you improve yourself. Um, by your teammates pushing you, by your coaches pushing you. Um, and, you know, that, that was kind of the model, and it, and it definitely prepared everyone who went on to play for, at the next level in pro.
2: Absolutely. So you guys were battling, and um, I think that's a big part of it is just teammates pushing each other and, and being accountable to each other to help them grow. And that's definitely a sign of a winning program no matter what level you're at. They're not just going through the motions in practice, but you guys are actively competing and getting better um but you know after your time at RPI you know you and I talked about this and this is the part that's really interesting to me is that so after RPI you jumped into your pro hockey um played like one season and then kind had of had had an injury and had to uh hang the skates up and so I don't know if you want to touch on that at all but what I really want to jump into is kind of your your following of the passion of hockey in sure. in getting into your uh kind of career so like the pro career Wraps up, and you jump into coaching, and quickly, if you want to talk on that, I mean, yeah, I,
3: no, I, no, we'll move a little bit, yeah. and then scouting. So I, I, I had mean. I had eight points in the East Coast Hockey League one year, and I had more fights than points. So I think <laughs> that. You know, we can move forward to the to the cooler stuff, which is what we're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah,
2: you, you 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 got that paycheck playing hockey after your yeah. education. You checked that box and you moved.
3: You made oodles there. of money. <laughs> yeah, just
2: it's so much you didn't know what to do with. And so you're like, well, I'll just go coach AAA hockey because that's um, – no, but so talk us through that. So, like, you immediately got into coaching, and I'm kind of guiding you here on this because I know – like talk about your experience a little bit coaching and then ultimately guiding into, into scouting. And that's what I want to jump into with you is following your passion in the
3: scouting world. Yeah. I, you know, I got done playing, as you mentioned, and I, I didn't really know what the heck I wanted to do other than I knew that I wanted to just stay involved in, in hockey and, uh, you know, and whether it was coaching or whatever it was. So, you know, like you mentioned, I was coaching some midget hockey, but pretty quickly I figured out that, um, you know, the, I, the player identification and evaluation side of the things, you know, scouting is, is more the path that I wanted to go down because, um, you know, I just found myself, the, you know, the more and more I, you know, I watched hockey, you know, as, as time went on, I was comparing players that, you know, I remembered seeing when I was still playing or played against, whatever it was to trying to find some comparisons and some of the younger kids that, um, you know, younger kids that I was around really, um, so, you know, I, I kind of just reached out to, to a bunch of teams. I started off with with Green Bay and the USHL, who you know, was technically our rival the year that I played. But, um, you know, I got an opportunity with them to kind of monitor the East Coast, um, you know, and, and keep tabs on all the AAA or prep school kids that were, that were in this area. Um, and it just, you know, it, it kind of just took off for me. I mean... You, you know, just like in anything really, you know, in life, whether you're a hockey player, or whatever it is, the stuff that you love to do, you're going to figure out a way to one, do more of it and, and two, improve and continue to get better at what you're doing. Um, so it's certainly, you know, driving, you know, through the night to, to watch midget games and having early mornings to, to go to tournaments and everything like that it it was really fun for me. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't really consider it anything more than, than really a, a, a hobby that I just wanted to see where I could take it. And I, you know, I surrounded myself with, with a lot of people who I saw at the ranks and built a, you know, a good, a good network of, you know, picking, being, being able to pick other people's brains as to, you know, what, what should the next step be for me? What, um, you know, learning kind of the the path that other guys took as well too to, to get to where they were for sure um yeah scouting is always
1: interesting to me and like i mean i have had a career uh, much like yours like played youth hockey played in the ushl played college hockey and then but scouting is just something that i've never really been into and i I don't know why but but i'm always like interested in, in like what makes a good scout and so like thinking back like because you've done scouting and stuff for for some time now is there is there a coach or someone that sticks out to you that like hey this guy is so good at scouting he does things the right way his relationship stuff is phenomenal is is there is there maybe maybe there's a few but is there someone that kind of stood out to you from not necessarily like the staff that you worked with but just someone you saw around the rinks a lot Is there someone that might have stood out a little bit and, and what made that person such a good human being
3: yeah, I, I don't know if I could pinpoint it to one exact person, but, you know, you, you see the same person in the rinks all over the place. Um, and you start to figure out that consistency is pretty key. Um, you know, of course, there's just like anyone else, uh, you know, there's going to be days where you, you don't feel like doing something maybe, but, you know, you figure out that you have to do it. I mean, guys who, guys who are working in the NHL, uh, who are working for junior teams, you know they're definitely not at the ranks kind of dreading their job because it's it's long and tough. They're the guys that love doing what they're doing. They love being at the ranks, not just you know to be a to be a super scout and say that I was scouting you know from eight a.m. to midnight you know on a on a Saturday. Just more about knowing what knowing where to be, being at the right games, um, and just having a general knowledge of of the game. I mean, you know if if you're talking about what what these guys are looking for at the highest levels, the two, the two biggest things that, um, that players need to have are hockey sense and, and, and competitiveness. And they need to be, those two things need to be elite, uh, in order to move on to to next level, no matter what level that is.
2: I love that. That kind of was my next question for you is, you know, scouting is kind of a newer thing for me. Like I'm kind of learning from you a little bit as we go here and, um, but you know the kid, I, I hear kids, whether it's at my camps or in different leagues and in different rinks, they're always like, "Oh, I want to get scouted or you know, how do I get scouted? By, I want to play in the USHL. How do, how do I get a scout to see me? So what would you tell those kids that are out there and you know they're jumping on the ice and who knows if there's a scout in the stands or not, but what kind of advice would you extend to a, a kid that you know, wants to get scouted by a higher league or has aspirations to go into that, that USHL program?
3: Well, obviously, every time that a player goes out for a shift doesn't mean, you know, they're not going to score a goal every single shift that they go. Um, So making a positive impact for your team, um, every every chance that you get, making the right hockey play every chance that you get sometimes means making a really good small area pass to a teammate that shows that you understand the situation, headmanning the puck. Maybe it's just holding steady at your position and not chasing the puck. Uh, you know, to, to a bad area, to bad ice. Um, really, it, it, it's about getting as much playing time. And for younger kids, um, obviously, you want to play on on a really good team because that's the that's the way to get noticed. Of course, but at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you're playing as much as possible in all different situations because um, you know, as time goes on, you're going to need to to have a wider understanding of the game for a role that, you know, may be lesser or greater than the one that, you know, that you're taking on now. Um, so, again, it's, you know, it's it's understanding the game and then also, obviously, as the, the higher level you go, you go to in this game as a player, uh, it becomes more and more about winning. So the competitiveness, winning puck battles, blocking shots, just, you know, sometimes living to fight another day and not trying to make an extra play, just anything that, that'll help your team win or anything to you know push your team in that right direction is something that uh, smart people are going to take notice of. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I get it on
1: the head, right? Like you have to be able to think the game and you got to be able to want to win. Like you have to have competitiveness. And those are things that like, if, if I'm a scout, maybe I'm way off here, but like, if I'm watching the game and I say, okay, he or she, they're, they're always in good position. They're not they're not overexerting themselves when they don't need to. They are pushing it when they need to. They haven't lost a puck battle. They're, when they jump on the ice, they're like in hockey-ready position from the time they get on the ice to the time they leave. That stuff, they're like, okay, awesome, because you can't teach a lot of that stuff. You can, you can a lot of the hockey sense by through game tape and things like that, but normally they aren't working on that at probably the lower levels um, like age-wise. Um, but then that's got to be like a, a dream, right? Like you see those kind of things in hockey players, and then you're like, okay, the skill stuff, we can work on that. Like, okay, the backhand's a little soft, coming around the net for the defender. One, we try to get him off the backhand more, I get that. Um, but two, let's let let's work on that backhand, because you have to be able to make backhand plays, and that's something that I write down the notebook, and then you're able to work on that if he or she ever comes and plays for you. Like, is that my way off?
3: No, no. I, I mean, the, the biggest misconception is – you know, coaches, scouts, whatever, want the kids that can stick handle the best or skate the best, whatever. Those are all tools that can, that can be worked on. You know, I I equate it to a a mechanic and an an engine, you know, I could twist uh, a wrench better than anyone, but if I don't know where all the pieces go, then, then I'm no good ultimately. So it's the same with, with thinking the game. I, if I could shoot the puck the hardest, if I could stick handle and dangle the best, um, yeah, that's awesome. But if you don't know where to be on the ice, then what good is it, are those things? You know, and conversely, players with hockey sense can kind of overcome some of those physical deficiencies as long as they're working on them, you know, because they'll know where to be. They'll know, you know, they'll be able to, to, to think the game, you know, one step, one or two steps ahead. Um, so again, like, I, you know, and, I really like to say that uh, th- you want to see the kids with the best hockey sense and competitiveness because if there are deficiencies, chances are those players are going to know what they are and they're going to work to improve upon them anyway. Um, yeah. So yeah, to, you're, you, you hit it right, right on the right on the head. Right.
1: If you can if you can find a kid like I always think of Matt Lightner, which I don't know if you know who he is, but he yep. played
3: far same age,
1: on. right? And, and so he. He ended up being a first-team All-American at Minnesota State University, which David Backus wasn't even a first-team All-American. And if you told me, like, lights, and if you're listening, you know, I love you, brother. But his, like, his like skill and his – he's got really good skill, but that wasn't why he was so dominant in college hockey. Like, he was dominant because he was literally three steps ahead of everybody. And he could make – he could make passes and his passes weren't that good, but he was able to like put him in front of people where they couldn't reach it. And just like, like, that's the kind of stuff that scouts are are looking for. Um, like the idea that like, he thinks the game really well, we can work on this skill stuff and, and lights had a ton of skill. Get me wrong. But the idea of like being able to think it is, is phenomenal. And I think obviously you're doing, you're doing something correct because he continued to climb the ladder here in, in the game of hockey. And, um, Let's let's talk about the USHL and your current role. And for those of you who are listening, if you're like if you're wondering USHL or, or another junior league, like if you can play in the USHL, that's that's the league to be in, unless you're going the major junior route, obviously. But um, the USHL is a phenomenal league. They've done phenomenal stuff. They have crazy good alumni like Danny Heath. But it's uh no. But t- let's talk uh, let's talk about uh, the USHL a little bit and maybe start with just like what your role
3: is and. We can kind of go from there. Sure. Well, primarily, um, you know, I set up all the all the youth events that the league sponsors. So we've got uh, several tournaments throughout the year. Uh, we've got our combines in the spring, which take place uh, before our drafts. Um, as P mentioned, him and I work together for USHL Central Scouting, so we're out, you know, identifying players that you know that ultimately have the best chance to. To, to play in the USHL or the higher levels. And, you know, I t- we, t- we talk to our guys a lot. We say we want Hockey Sense and Compete because, like we said, that's, those are the things that translate. Um, and then on top of that, uh, you know, I'll work with, with youth programs around the country. Um, lately, it's been more Zoom calls, um, kind of just informing, being there to inform everyone what the path is from youth hockey to the USHL uh, to college and beyond, um, and I think the one the one great thing about the United States Hockey League is that you know traditionally it was a league where if you went to the USHL you're 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 going Division One you know that uh, that's that 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 much is is, is sure, uh, but over the past you know really decade um, you know now now NHL teams are coming watching our kids every single night. Um, the highest level of our of our sport um, is kind of using our league to, to source its talent, um, which is a testament, you know, obviously mainly to the operators around the league for each team and, you know, obviously the league itself. Um, and being able to set up a model that that just works in terms of you come to the USHL for one or two or three years, whatever it is, uh, you go to college, you work work on getting your degree play a high level of, uh, of hockey or division one, no matter what league you're in. Um, and having the USHL on your resume means a lot, obviously to, to the pro levels as well too.
2: Absolutely. And I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more there, Luke. And that's, um, you know, with, with the last couple, of, I think it's been two years now or so, you and I've been working together. And, um, the question I get asked from a lot of, a lot of parents specifically and a lot of younger players that, you know, that that goal is division one hockey and you work backwards. And that goal is the USHL because of exactly what you just said, like you make, you make it in that league, you're going to get on a roster of the D one level somewhere. Um, and a lot of times you're going to be able to pick which school you're, you're probably going to head to as well. And um, So looking back at some of the younger players that are, you know, four 13, 14, 15, 16, that, that are looking to get in that league or the parents that are thinking like, my kid's going to play USHL. He's the best around here. What is that like? Talk to me about explain the, like, what are the combines? How are they broken up? And like, what is, you know, the phase one and phase two draft? Can you kind of explain the rationale of like how those things go together? And so a kid that's looking at the USHL of like, I
3: want to get in this league. Like, what are the steps that they need to take to do that? Sure. Well, you know, take a, let's take a look at some of the facts here, the average age of a player in the United States hockey league is around 18, 18 and a half years old. Um, so kids that are 14, 15, 16, 17, you know, there, there's a lot of room. There's, there's plenty of room to grow. Um, conversely the, you know, the average age of a division one college commit is right about the same thing. So that's not to say that if, you know, you're you're a little behind that curve, it's the end of the world, but, you know, for younger kids, you got plenty of time to work on things, and your goal should should be more geared towards, uh, you know, getting ready for junior hockey because everyone's got to play junior hockey before you go to college anyway. Um, so for the USHL, uh, we've got our Phase One draft, which each year is the, you know, it's basically the 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 fifteen U draft now. Um, players for this upcoming year, the two thousand five birth year, will be getting their first chance to be selected by USHL teams. Uh, each team gets 10 picks per year. Uh, and ultimately, this draft will will bolster uh, their affiliate lists. Before the drafts take place, you know, the US National Team Development Program has their selection camp where uh, they pick 23 of the top US players um, that are playing to go play for the NTDP U-17 team, and then the following year, the U-18 team. Um, so you know they the they get the they obviously get the their pick of the litter, um, but once once that ends, then USHL teams will start recruiting kids whether it's for for tender purposes. Uh, a tender is when a player uh, you know signs on with a team, and basically they're guaranteed fifty five percent of their US uh, of the games in the following USHL season. Um, it's been it, you know it doesn't happen very much. You know ultimately. There's only going to be a, between five to 12 uh, 16 year olds that are full time in the USHL each year. So again, you know if, if you go through your Phase one draft year and you, you don't get selected or you don't, you don't hear anything really is by far, is far from the end of the world um, because we still have the Phase two draft, which uh, is for all players that have uh, all players that will have junior eligibility for the following season. Um, and before those events, you know, or before the drafts, we'll have our combines, which every USHL team uh, will come to. They'll make their pretty much their final evaluations prior to the drafts, um, and, and go from there.
2: So I appreciate that because I think that's that's the question I've gotten a lot from parents of like trying to figure out like the difference between phase one and phase two. And I mean, it just takes a little bit of research if it's new to some of those families and. Um, but you're exactly right, you know, that just because you're getting you're not getting your name called in that phase one draft doesn't mean that the USHL is not in your future if that's where you're aspiring right. to be. And I think that's a a huge takeaway for a lot of listeners listening to this. Um, so Luke, let me we're gonna start wrapping this up a little bit. And we like to wrap up with a couple pieces of advice at the end. And so, you know, we've talked through your your hockey journey and kind of what you've done as a player and then on the professional side of the game. So what kind of advice would you extend? to uh, l- let's look at the youth hockey coaches out there in, in the, the, the lens of player development. So what kind of advice would you lend to um, the, the parents or the, the coaches out there for youth, youth development to basically help prepare their players to play at higher levels and follow those aspirations of reaching the, high le- the higher level leagues?
3: Well, make sure that, you know, you figure out whatever type of balance it is to make, you know, your practices fun and competitive. Uh, the fun part will encourage players to want to learn and, and, and make themselves better. And then competitiveness, you know, the competitiveness part of it, that's just going to get the, the, your team better naturally. Um, at the end of the day, this is a game. You know, this is a, this is a sport that we play or are a part of because, because we love it. Um, so, you know, it, at the youth levels where winning doesn't mean anything in the, in the long run, um, you know, it, it, really needs to be fun because you, that's how you kind of foster the type of a fire in a player for them to want to continue to play college or continue to take the game as far as possible. So obviously f- figuring out how to make it fun, but also, you know, competitiveness, competitive, that's important. Um, make sure you know what you're talking about too. Right? If you're, if you're a coach, um, surround yourself with the right people so that you can learn, you know, you, you want to try and and be around someone and listen to the people who you can take a little tidbit of knowledge and store it away in your toolbox for down the road. Um, being a part of hockey is, a, you know, it's we learn stuff every day. Um, so just, and, and also that's good and bad. Some of the things you might think will work may not. Some of the things you think might not work could. Uh, So always just be open to, to different, to trying different things as long as they're, you know, they make sense and, and are in the right, you know, the right, the right, I guess the right Avenue um, to teaching the kids. Love that. A lot of good advice there.
1: I think, um, I mean, anyone who's listening to this, that has aspirations of playing at the next level and, and like at the end of the day, like, if you don't play in the USHL, it's not the end of the world. Like there are so many other junior leagues like yourself, like you played in a couple before you even got there. And so it's like, it's definitely, it's definitely a league that, that develops players and makes them better. And the coaches alone are, are worth the the effort to get there. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, not the end of the world. Um, so keep in mind that if you're listening, but obviously um, the USHL is a phenomenal avenue for hockey players to, to reach their goals. So Appreciate you coming on. I know, I know life's busy right now. Um, kind of when we, we wrap things up before we get a nice little let's go from you. Is there any, any kind of final thoughts or final words you want to leave our listeners with?
3: No, just remember this is, the, the, again, it's supposed to be fun. And it's supposed to be something that you're passionate about, whether you're a young player or an older player or a coach or whatever, um this is this is fun and that's how you get better by by doing something that you love so you got to make sure that as long as you're a part of hockey you got to make sure that the fire is still there and and that's like i said that's ultimately how you get better love that awesome go ahead (laughs) danny i
1: was
2: just gonna say can we get can we get a let's go (laughs) <laughs> let's go <Woo>! awesome <laughs> thanks luke i appreciate coming on before we let you go is there uh if anybody has any questions or needs to follow up with you or the league where can uh where can we point those guys to
3: uh point them towards uh i guess towards yourself or towards myself uh you know my email you, know, you can put it on the website or whatever or Maybe not put it on the website. USHL dot com ultimately is probably the best. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll put that in the show notes.
2: Get people if they have any questions, they can reach out to me directly. I can get them to you and get them answered. And we can check out how to get involved with those uh, combines and get on the radar through the the USHL dot com website. Uh, but with that, Luke, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's good to connect with you again. Always a pleasure. And uh, we'll let you go. And we'll we'll cross paths at the rink soon. Thanks for having me, Paul. Luke Karate, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Director of Player Personnel for the USHL. Luke, it was a pleasure, man. Great talking with you. Great conversation. I really, truly appreciate all the uh, insights and advice you laid out there for the listeners. Um, I'm looking forward to the next time we connect again and talk hockey a little bit more. But, Danny, with that, I think we, I think we jump into three stars. What do you say about that?
1: Do it, Luke. I appreciate you, man even though your, your team ended my career, but I'll look past that. Um, <laughs> I yeah.
2: knew it was coming. I knew it was better.
1: Coming. I'm in a better, I'm in a really good spot right now. So everything happens for a reason, right? So, um, you know, he, <laughs> swore, he swore it wasn't him. So I'll let that one slide. Um, but I have no memory of even getting slew footed in the middle. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, super pumped to have him on. He's giving back. He came on our podcast. So we'll call it even now, but uh, three starts. Third star simply just is advice to coaches. If you didn't listen to it. Go back and listen to it. It's honestly something that not just all coaches should listen to, but I say players uh, and parents as well and guardians should should just listen to that because this guy has done a lot in the game of hockey, and those are the types of people that you should be listening to um, that that really know uh, what they're talking about. Second star was when he talked about the the mechanical the mechanic quote um and the hockey iq comparison where he's just like you know you you can know how to tighten a wrench but you have to know you have to know where that bolt goes or that whatever you're tightening up you have to know where it goes right and if you think of skill work you can train skills until the cows come home but if you can't um if you can't know where to put that into a game if you don't know when to use that skill it's going to make that a little bit irrelevant and so you need to train you need to get better at that hockey iq how do you get better at that hockey IQ? It's honestly, it's watching hockey. Like it is seriously watching hockey. And I know you hear a lot of, a lot of people like, Oh, I just don't like to watch it. Okay. But that's how you're going to get better at, you know, thinking through the game. And so um, definitely watch, watch it, try to watch it with a friend, watch it, watch it with a coach. Um, and, And like have a, like watch it with a friend, something my, my buddy and I always did back when we were younger is like, we'd each watch a player and then when the whistle went, he would tell me what his player did and I would tell him what my player did. And so then, then we'd kind of talk that through a little bit. Um, and we'd usually pick like, all right, I got right D, you got lefty, And so there were some commonalities there that you could talk about. And so just things like that, like try and watch as much hockey as you can. And that way you know where to put the, put the bolt. And so that was star number two. Star number one, coach, what do you got for us?
2: Number one star. I think that one of the most common questions I get from parents and, and older players, like players in that 14 to 17 age group are, is how do I get to the USHL? Cause that's the top league in the U S it's the top, you know, arguably the top amateur hockey league in the world. And that's where the guys want to be. Right. And, and so that question of like, how do I get to the USHL? is important you know if those players have the aspirations to get there because it doesn't just automatically happen um and so i think you know having luke the guy who's in charge of putting on these uh showcase tournaments uh, and the series of tournaments he's in charge of putting on the combines you know talking through the the logistics of like well here is what the path is and you know if you think you do have elite hockey iq and competitiveness that separates you from these other players and you have what it takes to play in, in the top league in the country, you know, here's some advice on how you can get there through the, the showcases, through the combines, through reaching out to the direct coaches, through the, the teams themselves. You know, what is, what is the phase one draft? What is the phase two draft? You know, a lot of players say, I want to get to the USHL, but they don't even know that there's two different drafts for different, you know, like you've got to understand the process. If you want to get to that end goal. And I think that's a good a good takeaway for the players to listen to it, you know, directly from the horse's mouth. Like Luke is is talking like here's here's what it is, and here's how the process works. So uh that's that's my first star for for tonight. That's my takeaway.
1: Love that. I think he knows he knows what he's doing. Um yeah, absolutely. There's uh there's a bit, I mean it's tough to get into that league. Uh, and then we also talked about like it's it's not the end of the world if you don't get into that league. There's a lot of <laughs> really good hockey players that come out of the NAHL. Like we've had Daniel, Daniel Brickley on here. Right. And so he was a, a late bloomer as well. Um, now he plays in the NHL. And so it's like, there's different, there's different routes. Um, but obviously the USHL is what a lot of American born players, some Canadian born players now, and some overseas, right. They're striving for that. Uh, and so, yeah, definitely listen to the horse's mouth. Thank you so much again for coming on, uh, show him some love and respect by liking this bo- podcast so we can continue keep pushing out this content
2: absolutely yeah so if anyone listening out there if you have any uh any questions for myself for danny for for Vinny, the producer or for, mm-hmm. for Luke karate from ushl or any other guests that we're having upcoming or past reach out to us directly shoot us a dm on instagram shoot us an email um or you know reach out any way any way you can get in touch we will do our best to help you out and uh and we will until next time i think that's that's all i've got today danny you got anything else for us
1: no this interview uh spoke for itself and so again thank you so much for coming on luke Uh, we appreciate it and um yeah i'm excited What do you say let's go
2: say let's go go